Let's turn to God's word, shall we? And we're turning to the book of Acts, chapter 4, please. Uh, the book of Acts and chapter 4. The reading will be on the screen if you haven't a Bible um, with you. Acts chapter 4. We're going to begin at the 23rd verse and read through to the end of verse 31. On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth take their stand and the rulers gather together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power Uh, And Will had decided beforehand should happen. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform miraculous signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And spoke the word of God boldly. We'll end our reading there. Let's pray briefly. Father, we thank you for your precious word. We thank you that we're able to read it this morning. And now we ask that you will help us by the Holy Spirit to understand this passage and its great truths and how our lives should be shaped by it. We pray this for the sake of your glory and God's people said, Amen. Well, do please keep your Bible open if you have one in front of you at Acts uh, chapter 4 and at this reading because we'll want to refer to the various verses as we uh, go along. It was the great German reformer Martin Luther who said, Just as the business of the tailor is making clothes, and the business of the cobbler is making shoes, so the business of the Christian is praying. And he was correct. Prayer, of course, isn't the only activity that the Christian must practice, but it certainly is a very important one. And the book of Acts makes it very clear that the early Christians took prayer seriously. And we see them practicing prayer regularly. Indeed, one of the great themes of the book of Acts is prayer. In Acts 1 and 14, for instance, we read of the disciples of Jesus praying as they waited for the coming of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. When it came to appointing a successor for Judas Iscariot, we are told that Prior to them casting lots, 
they prayed. And in Acts 2 and 42, following the day of Pentecost, during which Peter preached to a very large crowd of people in Jerusalem and saw some 3,000 people saved and added to the church, verse 42 of chapter 2 says this, that these early disciples devoted themselves to prayer. The book of Acts then emphasizes the importance of prayer in the life of the Christian. And it is to occupy a central role. So whether we're praying privately and individually or corporately, prayer is extremely important. And you will notice, I'm sure, as we read this passage, that it focuses on this very theme, theme of prayer. And what's particularly striking about it is this, that we're able to listen in as the early Christians prayed. As we do so, we find it very instructive indeed, because it teaches us, amongst other things, about when we should pray, how we should pray, and why we should pray. And so to learn a little bit more about these uh, things. Let's turn to uh, the passage. And I want to consider it along three lines this morning. These will come up on the screen. Uh, first of all, I want to think a little bit about the circumstances that led up to this time of prayer. What were the circumstances? Secondly, um, Luke, who's the author of Acts, um, spends quite a bit of time telling us what the early Christians actually prayed. So, secondly, to think about the content of the prayer. The content of the prayer. And then thirdly, to think about the conclusion of the prayer. How does the story end? How does it end? Well, think with me about these three things then. First of all, the circumstances leading up to the prayer. And if you look at verse 23, you'll see that uh, it reads as follows. On their release, it's an important term, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. So what's that about on their release? Uh, Peter and John go back to their own and they report what happened to them. Well, to find out, we need to go back to chapter 3 of Acts. And when you go back to chapter 3 of Acts, we find Peter and John, two apostles, making their way to another prayer meeting. But this time, the prayer meeting is being held in the temple in Jerusalem. And they're making their way through the temple environs. They come to one of the great gates of the temple. The temple had a, a number of significant gates, entry points. This one was called the Beautiful Gate. And there sitting at the gate is a man. We're told he's over 40 years old. And he's lame from birth. So he's a man who has never walked in his life. And he's begging. 
He's asking alms of the worshippers who are passing by. And he asks both Peter and John for some money. And as they look at him, it appears that the Lord says to Peter, I want to heal that man. Well, Peter obeys the promptings of the Lord. And if you look at chapter 3 and verse 6, this is what he says to him. Silver or gold I do not have, but what I give you, but what I have I give you, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. He issues the command to walk. And Luke tells us in the next verse that the man is instantly healed. It was a miracle, a miracle in the temple courts. Now, the man was well known to the worshippers there in the temple. And the sight of him now on his feet, jumping and leaping and praising God, creates enormous excitement among those who've come to worship. And so curiosity arises, and they want to know, well, how has this come about? And, of course, Peter, seeing what's taking place, seizes the opportunity to tell them that it's the Lord Jesus Christ who had recently been crucified and buried. He's alive. He's risen. He's in heaven. And it's through his name that this man who was formerly lame is now able to walk. And this Jesus whom the nation rejected, is in fact Israel's promised Savior, the promised Messiah. And as Peter continues, word of these things reaches the ears of the temple authorities. And they go to where Peter and John are and where this large crowd has assembled. And as they listen, they are greatly disturbed by what they're hearing because they're talking about Jesus of Nazareth, whom they had crucified. And so they try to shut it down. And in order to do that, they have the Peter and John immediately arrested and taken off into custody. And we're told the next day, Acts 4 and 5, the rulers and elders and teachers of the law, along with the high priests, gather together, And Peter and John are in front of them, and they begin to question them about their actions and their message. They're angry at what these men have done. And here they are, standing before this august body of religious leaders, and they are saying very clearly to them, the one you crucified, the one you had crucified, he's alive. And he's Israel's Messiah. Well, after examining them, we're told that the rulers threatened them not to speak any more about the name of Jesus, and then they have them released. And so following their release, chapter 4, verse 23, Peter and John go back to their own people and report all that had taken place place. And following that, the people gather together and talk to God 
in prayer. And so that's the background that leads up to this prayer that's recorded for us in Acts chapter 4. And before we leave this, I think it's important to say this, that it teaches us something about when to pray. When to pray. Now, of course, the Bible teaches us that as Christians, we can and should pray at all times in whatever circumstances we face. But do consider what's been going on here. The apostles are being faithful to their calling from God. They're preaching the gospel to their fellow citizens in Israel, and they are beginning to face hostility and opposition from the nation's leaders. And that opposition and hostility immediately causes them to turn to the Lord in prayer, that the Lord would give them help to do what God has called them to do. And of course, it reminds us, doesn't it, of a verse like Psalm 50 and verse 15, where we read, Call upon me, says the Lord, in the day of trouble. I will deliver you, and you will honor me. God invites his people to come when they find themselves in a situation of difficulty and opposition to pray to him that they might know his help. And that's an encouragement, I think, for for all of us. As the church here is faithful in going about Uh, fulfilling the calling that God has upon his church, the church inevitably will face opposition and difficulties. It's an occasion for prayer. But even on an individual level, as you seek to carry out the calling that God has given to you, whether that calling is to raise a family, to look after children, to nurse aging parents, to work in an office or in a bank, or whatever, and you begin to face difficulty in that, whatever the difficulty might be, Scripture would encourage you, as it encourages me in my calling, to speak to God about the difficulties that we face and ask Him for His help. God is concerned about every facet and aspect of our lives. Everyone, as the Apostle Peter put it, casting all our care upon him. Why, says Peter? For he cares for you. And one translation puts it like this, because it matters to him about you. Isn't that lovely? It matters to God about you. You matter to the God that we've been worshipping and singing to this morning. So the circumstances leading up to the prayer teaches us an important lesson about when to pray. Secondly, think about the content of their praying. Now we could say an awful lot about this, but it's recorded for us in verses 24 through to 30. And as a matter of fact, this is what Luke concentrates on what was prayed. And when you look at these verses, you'll see that there's a 
interesting structure to them. It's really in two parts. Verses 24 up to 28, and including 28, that focuses on God and specifically on the greatness of God, sovereign Lord. You made heaven and earth and the sea and everything in them. You're the creator over all. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. This is what you spoke. Why do the nations rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth take their stand. The rulers gather together against the Lord and against the anointed one. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant, Jesus, whom you anointed. But they did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. That's all about God. Have you noticed that? And then there's a slight change. Verses 29 through to 30, we have requests made to God by these believers. And that's the structure. I say a lot more about that. Time doesn't permit. But do notice their theology. Their declarations about God. What they believed about God. They believe that he's the sovereign Lord. That means he's the supreme ruler over everything. There's not one thing that happens that God isn't ruling over. And this God is also the creator of all things, heaven and earth and sea and everything in them. He's made them all by his power. Furthermore, he's the God who also communicates to his people through his word. And he has communicated through his people about a coming deliverer, a savior, the anointed one in Psalm 2. Great theology. They were well taught, these early Christians. But secondly, look at their requests. And isn't it interesting what they don't ask for? They're beginning to face hostility from the authorities, but they don't ask God to stop the hostility or to take it away. Neither do they ask God to punish their enemies. Instead, they make a general request, first of all, Lord, consider their threats. In other words, look at our situation and help us. And then more specifically, give your servants the ability to speak your word with all boldness and stretch forth your hand to heal and perform miraculous signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And it's interesting to note that those two requests were the very things that caused the problem in the first place. 
It's because a man was healed. And then a crowd gathers and then Peter and John preach that they ended up before the religious authorities being grilled by them and being threatened by them. And yet they're asking God, do more. Do more. Well, study the contents of the prayer. And there are important lessons here. Lessons about how to pray. The order is not without significance. The prayer begins with the greatness of God, then moves on to their needs. And it reflects the instruction that the Lord Jesus gave to his disciples when they came to one day and said, Lord, teach us how to pray. And and Jesus gave them what we often refer to as the Lord's Prayer or the Disciples' Prayer. Start off, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And the focus is on God and the greatness of God first. And then later on come the requests. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses, and lead us not into temptation. See, very often we switch the order, that's the point. And sometimes we just have, Lord, here's my list of requests, full stop. But they begin by worshipping God. The order's significance and how to approach God, remembering the God that we're coming to and building up our faith. And then the second thing is this. Not only how to pray, but what to pray. I'd love to have more time to share this with you. But a significant amount uh, of the verses here have to do with Scripture. Psalm 2 is quoted to God. Prior to that, allusions are made to the book of Genesis when they're talking to God. What am I saying? I'm saying this, that when these early Christians pray and as we listen to them, they're quoting Scripture and their prayers are framed by Scripture. They're shaped by Scripture. They clearly have been meditating long and hard on the Word of God. And when they come to pray to God, that comes out of them. The Bible says this, Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh, to use the King James. And you can see this in their prayer. Scripture is shaping the way that they pray. And it shapes their requests as well. And that's a tremendous lesson for us to learn. That we allow ourselves, when it comes to prayer, to be shaped by Scripture more than perhaps we're doing at present. One of my great heroes is a man by the name of George Mueller. George Mueller lived back in the 19th century. He was a pastor, an evangelist, a director of Christian orphanages in Bristol. But Mueller kept a diary. And he admitted that in the early years of his Christian life, he had great difficulty in his prayer life. 
He found himself being very repetitious in the things that he prayed for. Nothing wrong with that, but soon drying up. And his normal pattern was that he would begin the day with prayer and then afterwards would spend time studying the Word of God. And so he decided, after some time of consideration, to switch the order. And he would begin by studying Scripture first, and then on the back of that, turn to prayer. And it radically transformed his prayer life. He found that the Word of God now shaped the way he prayed and influenced and determined the requests that he made. And he said, I never dried up in prayer after that. My prayers were fresh. They were invigorated. They were encouraging. And God greatly blessed them. And I leave that with you this morning. If you're struggling with prayer, as all of us do, let's be honest, think about that order of the word and then prayer. Prayer arising out of your study of God's word, praying through what you've read. In other words, praying through the scriptures. What to pray for and how to pray. And then thirdly and finally, the conclusion to the prayer. The conclusion to the prayer. What happened then on that day? After they prayed, verse 31, the place where they were meeting was shaken. It means the building was shaken. Imagine that. Imagine if this building was shaken. <laughs> How would we feel? But there are echoes there of Isaiah 19 and 18 when God came down and met with Moses on the mount and the shaking of the mountain was evidence that God's presence was with them. They felt the presence of God in their prayer meeting. It was God's way of saying, I'm with you and be not afraid. But as well as assuring them of his presence, we are told they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. They had asked God for that. That God would give them confidence to proclaim his word. And God answered them by filling them with the Holy Spirit. Because it's the Spirit who gives the boldness that is necessary. And so there are two effects of their praying. They were reassured and they were emboldened. Given fresh courage and confidence to speak the word of God in a hostile situation. And the interesting thing is this, that their circumstances were not changed, but they were changed. They were changed. They left that place where they were meeting different to the way that they entered in. They had an encounter with God, and God changed them. Why should we pray? Well, for many reasons. Not least, God commands us to do so. But also because prayer changes us. It changes us. Our circumstances might remain unchanged. 
I know that God can instantly transform circumstances if he so chooses. But more often than not, the circumstances remain the same, but we are changed as a result and better able to meet the circumstances that are confronting us. I think in closing of uh, Paul's situation, 2 Corinthians 12, he talks about a thorn in the flesh, what it was, we're not quite sure, but he certainly didn't want it. So that three times he prayed to the Lord, Lord, take this away from me, take it away from me. Did the Lord take it away? No. Could have, but in his love and wisdom he chose not to. What happened? The Lord spoke to Paul and changed him and said, Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. Prayer changed Paul. Changes people. Changes us. That's why we should pray. So, in review then, we've been looking at this passage. The theme of it is, is prayer. We've looked at the circumstances of their praying the content of their praying, the conclusion of their praying. Hopefully we've learned some lessons about when to pray, about how to pray, about what to pray, and about why we should pray. I want to encourage you as a church to keep on praying and to encourage you as individual Christians In the privacy of your home, keep on praying. Grow in this vital discipline in the Christian life. We began with the words of Martin Luther. Let me conclude with the words of Martin Luther. Just as the business of the tailor is making clothes and the business of the cobbler is making shoes, so the business of the Christian is praying. So my question to you is this. How's business going? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this great privilege of spending time with your word. And thank you for giving us an insight into how these early Christians approached the throne of grace. Help us to learn the lessons that are contained here in this passage. Help us, Lord, to be men and women who, like the early Christians, are devoted to prayer. Thank you for the privilege of being able to come before your throne of grace and find grace in time of need. Change us, Lord, we pray, and transform our lives, and transform the life of the church too. May it be a center for prayer. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. Well, let's continue our worship, shall we, as we stand to sing um, the hymn, Here is Love fast as the ocean. <laughs>